Welcome again. This is part two of the Ed Reed versus Bethune Cookman College. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about um, just about the history of HBCUs and college sports compared to where we're at now to just kind of give you a little backstory of um, this whole coming to be. So as you know, Ed Reed, he's been dismissed as the head coach of Bethune-Cookman College after a couple um, Instagram posts where he talked disparagingly about him. It was uh, it was noticed by the, the sitting president of the university that his actions wasn't conducive to the mission of Bethune-Cookman College. And we're at an impasse right now of who's going to fill in the spot, all the players that he signed in. But if, if we're going to break it down, this history of BCC, or uh, HBCUs, is very similar to the history of the Negro Leagues. So there's over 100 uh, historically black colleges and universities right now in the nation, but it's really made up of two uh, big conferences, the MEAC and the SWAC. And the MEAC and the SWAC in the 1970s and 80s was huge. And I mean huge for uh, collegiate football. And if you want to talk about the 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, college baseball was powerhouses. Schools like Southern University and uh, Alcorn State. But if you want to look at football, Grambling was a was a major was a major producer of professional talent from like Doug Williams to a list of names that was just Hall of Fame players. I'm making a comparison of the Negro Leagues to HBCUs because you saw a talent vacuum that exited the Negro Leagues just how it exited HBCUs. So right when the mid the mid-80s, I don't know, no, I want to say even earlier, I'll say like the mid-70s, you saw a huge exit of top prospects leaving uh, the MEAC and SWAC conferences to go to the ACC and um, other big conferences. For out west, it's, it's kind of always been a similar, it's always been a sprinkle of black players in a Pac-12 and a WAC, uh, just because of the traveling aspect, but You'll even see people that would probably go to Southern school, get more acceptance on on the West Coast, as well as up North and some Southern schools. So like the Big Ten and then the SEC was a little later in accepting it, but the mid-70s, you saw a huge exodus. You saw a lot of players that would traditionally go down South. They'll end up staying uh, up North universities like Rutgers and Syracuse and um, Michigan started accepting more African-American players in a state. But one of the biggest exodus is when the SEC uh, started pretty much desegregating their, their teams. They started it late, late. They started early 70s, but it only came into prominence late 80s, early 90s. And that's when the traditional powerhouses like Jackson State, South Carolina State, Grambling, Southern, you started to see them loosen up, especially like um, in key positions. So like wide receivers, running backs, 
defensive backs. They they will all go to Alabama and Auburn and these schools that traditionally didn't sell black players. And that leaves you to where those conferences are now. Uh, SWAC and EMIAC, I believe, is a Division One AA. But like when it was in the 1980s, mid-80s, early 90s, uh, I mean, 70s and 80s, they could rival any top school, like the best ones, like uh, Grandma State for sure, Southern for sure. They, they have programs where if it's on the schedule, they could beat them. And I make that comparison if you want to go three years earlier into the 1960s. That's when you saw the mass exodus of Negro League players going into the MLB. So as you know, 1945, Jackie Robinson was signed to the Brooklyn Dodgers. He spent two years for the Montreal Montreal Expos, I believe. That's the farm system before he was called up April 15, 1947 in uh, Brooklyn. So during that time, from 1947... I believe 1955 I believe the first I believe every every player that came in after that um, was every MVP came after that was a was an MVP coming from the Negro League so so you had Willie Mays Monty Irvin you had um, Ernie Banks and they called them the disciples of Jackie Robinson but the reason I point that out is because those players, they would have had a, a prosperous career in the Negro Leagues. And what I see is a huge power vacuum, a power vacuum where it's not equitable, will be equitable. In the perfect world was instead of Jackie Robinson signing to a, a white major league team, it will be the Kansas City Monarchs merging into the MLB, pretty much like how the AFL and NFL came together. You know, you had the, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Raiders, and then they, when they battled, you know, economically for it, teams merged in. And I see, like, if we want to keep the, if we want to keep the health and the strength of the next talent, it wouldn't be poaching. It'll be, it'll be combining. And that's what happened in the Negro Leagues, and it, it merged to HBCUs now. You know, now that Alabama, I believe it was in 1971 or 72, they, um, he called up the coach of USC. He knew that USC was a better team than Alabama at the time. And they called a, they called a, um, an exhibition game or a regular season game, put it on schedule. USC went down to Alabama, beat them pretty good. But their quarterback and their wide, their quarterback, wide receiver, and running back was black. And their running back, I believe he went to the NFL. He was that good. But after the Alabama fans saw how, how what they needed, I mean, it was just off to the races of black players up in the SEC. And next thing you know, you got schools in Georgia, schools in Alabama, like Alabama State. They're now going, getting offers at AUB, like, and Alabama to play instead of 
Alabama State and Alabama A&M. So, bring all that back to Ed Reed is there was a resurgence. There was a resurgence that was trying to be held, led by, actually led by Eddie George, to be honest. Eddie George and um, and uh, a former player of the, of the Browns, Hugh Jackson. You know, they, they, Tennessee State and Grambling State, both, one's NFL Hall of Famer, one's a 10-year NFL head coach for two different organizations, the Raiders and the Browns. They took their, their pedigree to the SWAT conference to make a difference. And then in 2020, Deion Sanders, which by far put the biggest spotlight upon HBCUs and specifically in the SWAT conference, so, like, the the momentum was going. The momentum was going, um, particularly Deion Sanders. He had the number one recruit, five-star recruit, Travis Hunter. Flip his commit from Florida State to Jackson State. And it was just off to the races. It, so that's what it seemed like. I thought what was going to be next was actually play, uh, players, not players, but the schedule changing in. We'll see Jackson State versus Notre Dame or Jackson State versus Syracuse or some 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 school not not necessarily like the Alabamas of the world or the Georgias, but a, a team that's it could go either way, Texas Tech or something like that. I thought that was going to be next, and you'll see more swag schools on the main stage because I believe the players has always been there. You know, it's quite as kept. It's still. There's still been a high producing amount of uh, professional players that come out of the HBCU system. So I just thought the higher profile was going to happen. And with Ed Reed going to Bethune-Cookman, that would kind of be all the momentum and need where you have Dion here, you have Eddie George there, Hugh Jackson there, and now Ed Reed here. You got a power conference where all eyes is on you, and all it takes is a couple years to really kind of get the players to catch up you know if you get a couple five-star recruits to flip everybody else will follow and what i notice and what happened is just got to clean up the organization of hbcus and that's like a 40 50 year process so what comes along with those head players and high profile people you gotta have like a somebody that's down to kind of cover everything else because like this situation and Bethune-Cookman definitely could have been avoided. I mean, a little due diligence of what's been going on. I believe it's been a strike, a student strike since 2018 uh, at Bethune-Cookman because of the resources. Like, it'll have to be like a, I would say it'll have to be a grand plan, you know. I feel like the players, the former NFL players want to give back and do something different. Uh, I feel like the university universities plural they just all have to change the mindset if they want to kind of accept this change but yeah that's my thought i just thought i was giving an interesting take of how the negro leagues and hbcus have a similar have a similar situation it all comes down to man our resources is within us and if we want to grow for ourselves we'll have to we have to get all our ducks in order but that's part two Uh, You might see another series coming up later, but I'll catch you next time.